Israel. There you go. That's right. So, what? Okay. So that's what's going on this this week. We're going to see over and over again in the Gospel of John. We've heard over and over again, which is a little redundant, but. We've heard him say, my hour is not yet come. My hour is not yet come. He did it when his mom said, change the water. Or they run out of wine. He said, what's that with me? My hour is not yet come. When people tried to make him king, he said, my hour is not yet come. Uh, When they tried to arrest him, it said they couldn't arrest him because his hour has not yet come. Well, now is the time in this part of chapter 12 where his hour has come. He is going to... He's going to demonstrate, he's going to reveal himself as the Messiah to Israel. And uh, they're going to come out with palm branches, and this is Palm Sunday. This is where we get Palm Sunday. They're going to come, and they're going to uh, hail him as king, you know, and he's going to declare himself as the Messiah. He's going to fulfill specific prophecies that, that show them that he is the Messiah. He is the one that was prophesied. But what we're going to see is that he's not the kind of king that they want. He's the kind of he's the kind of king that came. He's going to. Oh, you know the story. He's the king that came to die, and they want a king that's going to come and wipe out the Romans and set their kingdom up and make them prosperous and all that kind of thing. So let's look at. Let's, I'm just going to take it a few verses at a time. Start in chapter 12, uh, verse 12. And if you have any questions, just stop me because this won't, this probably won't take us the whole 45 minutes. Uh, Look at how they greet him in verse 12. It says, on the next day, this is the day after the supper, the day after they Mary, you know, anointed his feet. Said on the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now, if I'm going to give you just a sneak peek, if you slip down to verse 17, we're not there yet, but look at it. It said the people therefore that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised him from the dead bore record. Verse 18 says, For this cause the people also met him, for they had heard that he had done this miracle. The people came out of the city and hailed him because he was coming into the city at the time of the Passover. He was coming as a conquering king, and they had heard that he had raised Lazarus from the dead. And anybody who can raise a dude from the dead, now that that has spread far and wide, you remember Bethany wasn't but a few miles away from Jerusalem. So Lazarus and Mary and Martha, they probably had lots of friends in Jerusalem, and there were lots of Jewish people there mourning when he raised Lazarus from the dead. And the first thing that the unbelievers did was went, ran, told the Pharisees when he did it. So word spread like wildfire through the, the city. Hey, this guy, this is this is the Messiah. He has raised this guy up from the dead. He was guy's been dead for four days and he raised him from the dead. He's coming. He's coming to the feast, the festival this year. This is the Passover when uh, our kingdom's gonna be reestablished, when we're gonna have the glory you know of God given back to us and we're gonna be out from up under the oppression of the Romans and you know we're gonna rule the world. The Messiah's gonna rule the world uh, and and we won't have to worry about all this stuff anymore. We won't have to worry about being in slavery anymore. 
anymore. Won't have to worry about all this kind of stuff anymore. And so they were excited, but they wanted a political king. They wanted a king to come and do away with all the people that were enslaving them and oppressing them and all those things. Y'all see that? Is that clear enough? Y'all understand that that's what they wanted? And that's not what... uh, that's not what he was. They understood him as a miracle worker. They came out because he had raised Lazarus from the dead. They came out to, uh, to you know, palm branches and blessed Hosanna. The word Hosanna means, it means save us now in, in the Hebrew. It wasn't written in Hebrew, it was written in Greek, but Hosanna, it means save us. So they were yelling, save us, Hosanna, and they were quoting Psalm 118 which says, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Now, that's kind of, uh, if you go back and it's Psalm 118, it's going to be like the 25th, 26th verse right in there where it says, and it talks about the Messiah who's coming into the kingdom. He's coming to, to to bring judgment on the evildoers and the wickeders, wicked people, the wickeders, and he's coming to bring them, you know, peace and prosperity. He's come to wipe out the enemies of Israel and to do all those things. And so they were quoting this psalm. They were yelling the psalm because this is the conquering king that's come to make all our lives better. He's come to, to do all this stuff. He's come to destroy these Romans. Incidentally enough, if you, I mean, if you care, this is just a little side note. 150 years earlier, uh, Israel was under the occupation of the Syrians. And there was a king called Antiochus Epiphanes, who, you don't have to remember that, it won't be on the test. Uh, he, uh... He was evil, big time evil. I mean, he stopped, he, he didn't allow the Jews to sacrifice. He uh, sacrificed pigs on the altar, which was, oh, that was scandalous. He erected a, a statue of Zeus in the temple. And I mean, he was just a bad, bad dude. And they, Israel was, you know, they were under his oppression. Well, a guy, a, country, a guy in the country of Galilee named Judas Maccabeus uh, rose up and and got a bunch of followers and they revolted against him and they they you know got out from under his rule they destroyed all this stuff using guerrilla warfare and all that kind of stuff and that's where you ever heard of Hanukkah festival of lights that's where that comes from is because they're celebrating when Judas Maccabeus destroyed you know this guy but the whole point of all that is to say this when Judas Maccabeus came into the city 150 years earlier the people went out with palm branches and they quoted the same psalm Hosanna blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord and Judas became king of Israel and there was a time of peace and all that before the before the Romans came and and laid the hammer down and so they were thinking that Jesus was coming to make their lives better they were thinking that Jesus was coming he was I mean if this guy can raise the dead and do miracles surely he can just wipe these Romans out and we won't have to worry about this no more we can have our you know we can have our our kingdom back the way it was and in verse 14, 15, it says, And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king, king cometh sitting on an ass's colt. That's Zechariah 9.9. 9. Verse 15 is a quote from Zechariah 9.9. 9. And that shows that uh, this was a fulfilled prophecy, that the king's coming, he's going to be riding a donkey. And the people probably... I, 
I find it hard to believe that at least some of them, most of them, wouldn't have known of this prophecy because this is what Jewish parents tell their kids. You know, there's going to come a Messiah. He's going to deliver us. We're not always going to be up under the Romans. We're not always going to be in slavery. You just keep your faith in God because he's going to send us a deliverer. And they told them of the prophecies. And I mean, that's how children were raised. And so they knew that this was, they saw Jesus, this miracle worker who had raised Lazarus from the dead, who has, was basically proclaiming himself to be Messiah. Uh, the other gospels tell us a little more detail about how he got the donkey and, you know, the, the disciples went to get it and everything. But he came, he came riding in on this donkey. So they saw this as the fulfillment of prophecy. Can you imagine the excitement that must have been going on? Like these guys were, you know, like a whole city just poured out to see Jesus coming in and they were yelling Hosanna the same way that they had heard stories about it happening before when they were freed from captivity and freed from oppression and here is this Jesus and the same things going on and this is the Messiah that's supposed to bring the kingdom of God can you imagine what it must have been like I mean how what's your expectations must have been like you know all my problems are over it makes me it's probably ain't very funny but it, it reminds me of that lady that they, on that YouTube video, when Obama got elected, she was like, I ain't going to have to worry about paying gas no more, and I ain't going to worry about my bills no more. And all that. Like She had such expectations of what was going to be. Well, that's what they were doing. You know, They were thinking, we're, we don't have to worry about living in squalor anymore. We don't have to worry about living under the boot of the Romans anymore. We don't have to worry. We can, you know, we're going to have Solomon's kingdom. Remember when it talks about Solomon's kingdom, how rich and beautiful and, and all the nations of the world came to Solomon and, and it was just gold everywhere and silver everywhere and Israel was the center of the world and that's what they were thinking was coming back. So you can imagine how when they found out why Jesus really came, what that, I mean, that let the air completely out of the bloom. You know what I mean? They were like, we thought we were going to be the kingdom on earth. God's place, God's dwelling people and here's this Messiah and he didn't do nothing. I mean, he just came and got killed. You know, and so <clears throat> he rode in on a donkey. What a spectacle it was. Verse 16 says that uh, his disciples didn't quite understand it. He says, these things understood not his disciples at first, but when Jesus was glorified, they remembered they that these things were written of him and that they had done these things unto him. What was going on in their minds, the disciples, is... They had the same expectations that all these people had. And, and we know Jesus. We're right here with him. He's, we're going to be his, you know. They, they had the same expectations that all those people had, knowing that, hey, this is it. Look at all this. Yeah, that's right. You know, can you imagine them walking behind Jesus on dogs? Right, dude, I, I'm with him. I'm, I know him. You know, I'm with him and all this stuff. But the problem they were having was the day before he told them, I'm going to die. You know, he had told them over and over again, I'm going to be handed over to the Gentiles and I'm going to die and I'm going to be killed and I'm going to be tortured and I'm going to, uh, you know, be put in a tomb. And on the third day, I'm going to rise again. My, you know, the temple's going to be, the temple of my body is going to be destroyed. And, you know, he had told them I'm going to die. I'm going to go to, you know, I'm going to my grave and she's anointing me for my burial. He had told his disciples all these things, but now it looked like everything that they wanted was about to come true. I mean, here the people were hailing him as king coming into the coming into the city they were saying he has you know he, he's fixing to conquer and we're going to be right by his side we're going to be ruling right there with him 
But didn't he say he was going to die? And, and it says they didn't understand these things. But it was after that he was glorified, which means after he had died, risen from the grave, and then ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit came and it, it, it illuminated them. It showed them how Jesus' dying saved them. It brought the kingdom to earth. Does that make sense? Y'all with me? Got any questions? It's kind of just, all, all this is kind of just set up for what we're going to talk about. The point of this whole passage is Jesus is the Messiah, but he may not be the kind of Messiah that you want him to be for me. You know, I want a Messiah that's going to make me, you know, whatever. It's going to give me a good job, give me a good wife, give me a good house, make me healthy, happy. You know, I want that kind of Messiah. I want somebody that's going to save me from unhappiness. I want to, you know, I, I want the Messiah that's going to give me everything that I need. Well, Jesus isn't that kind of Messiah. And he never claimed to be that kind of Messiah. And he's going to show us here at the end, he's going to say, and if you want me to be your Messiah, if you want me to be your king, then you're going to have to die. You're going to have to die to yourself, and you're going to have to follow me. And so that's basically the whole whole point of the passage. Verse 17 says, we read that a minute ago. It says, The people, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. And it was for this cause. It says, This is the reason the people also met him. That's the reason they came out of Jerusalem. For they heard that he had done this miracle. That was the reason why people came out of the city and brought palm branches and all these things and, and were hailing him as king. It was not because this is the Messiah, that's whatever. It was because he had risen, he had raised Lazarus from the dead. We're coming out to see the, the, the spectacle. And you can see that these same people who were saying, Hosanna, blessed is the King of Israel who comes in the name of the Lord. This is our Messiah. You're our King. You're our whatever. These same people a few days later are going to be saying, we don't want no part of him. Crucify him. Give us Barabbas instead. Barabbas was a murderer but he was a leader of an insurrection and that's what the people wanted. They wanted a Messiah that was going to lead them in war and defeat the Romans and get us out of under this oppression and Jesus was not that kind of Messiah but that's the kind they wanted. So these same people, when they realized that the salvation that this Messiah was bringing was not the kind of salvation they wanted, they rejected him completely. And you see it over and over again, even today. You know, when, you know, people go through hard times, people go through suffering, it's inevitable that you're going to go through all kind of things, you're going to go through all kind of sufferings, you're going to go through all kind of pains and heartaches, you're going to go through times that you just don't think you're going to make it. And it's in those times where people call out to Jesus and they say, save me. You know, and, and, and sometimes he does from your circumstance. But the salvation that he offers is a salvation from sin. It's a salvation uh, that reconciles you to the Father, where you can go to heaven and live forever and, and be right before the, the Father. It's not necessarily a salvation from the consequences of what you've stepped off into. See what I mean? Like, so, for instance, uh, if a guy murders his neighbor, right, and gets called into court, he's arrested and brought into court, and the night before he's brought into court, in jail, uh, the jail chaplain comes and talks to him, and the guy says, man, I'm so sorry, I've messed up, I want I want to be saved, I want to, you know, all the whatever, 
Um, and, and he gives his heart to Christ. And I'm talking about not faking, but really gives his heart to Christ and is saved that night. He's a brand new creature. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. He's not the same man. But the next day when he goes and faces the judge, will the judge take that into account? No. He'll, ha- he'll, still, have to, he'll still have to face the consequences of what happened. And so Jesus' salvation doesn't always relieve the consequences in this life of stupid things that we do or sins that we do. Uh, Not always. Sometimes it does, but not always. But what it does is it saves us and makes us right before the Father and changes. Does that make sense? Lots of people come. I I, I never did the prison ministry thing, but I did go with some people one time over to the white and they had they have a prison ministry there. They go Sunday and do like church, you know, for prisoners. And I was playing the guitar. I wasn't preaching or anything. And I I just come to sing some songs. And another guy was preaching. And so, you know, it was it was. I mean, it was good. I mean, I was terrified. <laughs> it's like I'm too pretty to be going into prison. <laughs> something about it's something about when you walk in there you know if you ever been there it's like gate and then another gate and then another gate and it's all got razor wire on the top of it and it's like when that deal closes behind you it's like i'm glad i ain't wearing orange y'all make sure y'all let me out of here when i come you know what i mean because i i, I mean it's just not a good feeling at all but anyway, we got in there, did the deal, and it was good. It was really good. I mean, the people, the prisoners there that were listening, they were, they were, they really seemed like they were receptive, and they were seeking the Lord and all these kind of things. And, and you know, who I don't know, I didn't know nothing at the time. And on the way out, we were talking, and we were talking to you know those guards that was escorting us here and there. And on the way we're out, we're talking about how good it was, and the preacher was talking, and I was talking, and the other guys were talking. And the guard, when he was letting us out one of the, one of the doors, he said, hey, just to let you know, he said, everybody finds Jesus in prison. He said, once they get out of prison, he said, that's when you'll know if, what you, if, if Jesus has accomplished something. Because when you're in here, you ain't got nothing. And the only hope you got is Jesus help me. The only joy you got is singing songs about Jesus and all that. He said, everybody finds Jesus in prison. And so what he was saying to me, in essence, was not to say that there are no people who do find Jesus in prison. But what he was saying to me, in essence, is the kind of Messiah that they were wanting, most of them in his experience were wanting, was someone who was going to get me through this experience. Someone who was going to make me happy and give me some joy, give me some hope while I'm in here. You know, and then when they get out, they go and just go right back to the same old things. Not a new creature, not a new, not a new person. They really weren't wanting a Messiah to make them right with God, to change them from the inside out, to save their souls and and to serve him for the rest of their life. They were wanting a Messiah that would just give me, you know, what you have to give me and that will benefit me. I don't want to serve you. I don't want you to be my Lord. I don't want you to be my master. I don't want to have to follow you and I don't have to deny myself. I want you to give me all the good stuff. Does that make sense? Y'all with me? That's what these folks were that's what they were doing they were out there yelling hosanna they were out there yelling this is the king of israel they were out there yelling blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord but they weren't wanting the kind of messiah that jesus actually was coming to be they wanted 
political Messiah. They wanted a yeah. They wanted him to make them happy right now, free them right now. And then it says uh, the Pharisees, on the other hand, here's another kind of people. That's one kind of people. The Pharisees, on the other hand, these guys. I mean, this really blows my mind with these guys because. Verse 19 says, they're watching this. I mean, the Pharisees are seeing all these people. Now, these guys know the Word of God better than all the people do. They know it probably better than anybody else on the planet at that time. And so they they knew the stories of, of the Messiah who would come, the prophecies of how they would be fulfilled. Here he comes riding on a donkey. They also knew the history. Of Judas Maccabeus coming in and, and freeing Israel from you know the Syrian king and, and all those things. So I mean, this is like replay going on. This is the Messiah, and this guy had done something that Judas Maccabeus never did. I mean, he raised Lazarus from the dead after he'd been in four days. He was healing people and he was doing all these miracles that only God could do. This was something they had never seen before in, in, in all these other peoples. But here it was that all Israel had came out to them came out to see Jesus and they were standing there so in their minds they're thinking well they were thinking the same thing the people were that this is a political messiah this is he's coming to restore rule to Israel kick out the Romans make you know and even though that's what they thought they still didn't want him they want they still wanted him dead is that I don't know if I'm getting that across to you I mean that blows my mind that these guys would say to think that to think that he is the Messiah and he has come to put up God's kingdom on earth and he has come uh, to to reign uh, and, and to sit on his throne and to destroy God's enemies and to still think, uh, man, this stinks. We're gonna we're gonna lose our position. We're gonna lose our authority. That's what they said in verse nineteen. Says the Pharisees therefore said among themselves, perceive ye how he pre- you prevail nothing, behold. Behold, the whole world has gone after him. Or behold, the world has gone after him. So he's like, oh well, we've done lost. Can you see? You see what they're, I mean, that doesn't make no sense to me. It doesn't make any sense to me because they didn't want the kind of Messiah that Jesus was. But they didn't want the kind of Messiah that everybody else wanted. Yeah, they didn't want... They didn't want a Messiah to save their souls. They didn't want a Messiah to bring them to God. I mean, of course, that's a given. We see that crowd didn't want that either. But they also didn't want a Messiah to come and restore God's kingdom. They wanted to stay under the Roman rule. Why? Because they were in charge. Because they had power and authority. They had religious. People had to come to them. They were in the temple. They were rich. They were doing all that. So they didn't want. They refused. They were refusing God's rule over them uh, in all kinds of ways. They would rather have stayed under the, the boot of the Romans, which they did anyway. But they would have rather done that than to lose their. You know, I, I'm, I'd rather keep what I got. So you got two kinds of people. You got the crowd who says, I want you to be the kind of Messiah that gives me what I want. And then you got these guys who says, I don't want nothing from you. I just want to keep what I got. You see what I mean? It's like, I don't want you to do nothing. You just stay over there and mind your own business and be quiet. Let me keep what I got and let me just go with what I got. And then you got the other crowd saying, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. You see the two kinds of people we have? You know any kind of people like that? Are we people like that? 
Anybody got any comments or examples or questions? You just want me to keep on talking? Houston, you want me to keep on talking? Houston said, okay, I'm going to keep on talking. Okay. Okay, so both the crowd and the Pharisees wanted their own kind of Messiah, but he came to save souls. He came to change hearts. And when they found out that that's what he came to do, they, uh, they rejected him. Imagine all this noise going on. I mean, the Pharisees are out there looking and all this noise. It's all this hailing Jesus. And here he comes. People, I'm talking about, now listen, you're thinking, when you're thinking, don't think about the Jesus movie, okay? We all seen the Jesus movie. It wasn't like that. We're talking about probably two million people. Or at least a million people. When... Uh, one of the historical records that we have said that at a Passover, we don't know exactly which, if it, it wasn't this Passover, but at a Passover, people would come into Jerusalem from all over the world. Jews would come into Jerusalem from all over the world, and, and they would have to slaughter lambs. That's what they were there for. The high priest would take, you know, the Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and he would slaughter a lamb for this family, slaughter a lamb for that family, slaughter, you know, and so they would start at the beginning of the day and they would go really for two days but it was supposed to be just for one day and so they would slaughter lambs and on one given Passover the historical record shows they slaughtered 256,000 lambs in just under 48 hours and so each lamb is could is represented up to about 10 people and so that's that's way, that's way over two million people. So you thinking? I'm thinking. You know, probably not every single person in the whole city went out to see Jesus. But you thinking there's two million people in the city for the the Passover, and just if half go, you know, if a fourth go, you're talking about you're talking about five hundred thousand people. I mean, that's more than the football game stadium holds. That's more than. I mean, this is a crowd. It, it looked like to the Pharisees that the whole world I mean it's over for us look at this, this guy has brought all these people out, if one fourth of the people of the city went out, it would have been just incredible, it would have been incredible the noise would have been just oh, it would have been crazy and Luke says the, the gospel of Luke when Jesus was coming toward the city he started weeping why would Jesus be weeping when here it was, he was hailed as king, he was hailed as Messiah, his hour has finally come. Why do you think he would be weeping? It doesn't say it in John, but it says it in Luke. Because he knew that they weren't really wanting him. They wasn't wanting him. They were wanting something he could give them that he wasn't there to give them. See what I mean? And so gives you a kind of picture of, of what this looked like. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of people yelling and hollering, save us, here you are, the king, you know, blessed is he, he's coming to the name of the Lord. And here's Jesus riding in on a donkey knowing none of these people, none of these people really want me. None of these people know what I'm, what I'm here for. None of them want what I'm going to offer them. And it's only going to be a few days from today that they're all going to be wanting me dead. You know, and so just imagine how that felt to be God's son, to be the king, to be the Messiah, actually the king of the world uh, coming in and knowing, knowing that all these people are expecting you to do something that you're not going to do. And their hearts are selfish. Their hearts are just wanting what they want. 
Well, that's, I mean, how would you feel? I need some coffee, so say something. Especially since he knew what he was going to go through. I mean, he went through a horrendous ordeal <coughs> that was coming and knowing how selfish their hearts were. And he was going to go through the horrendous ordeal at the request of the same people who were saying, Come on in, Jesus, come be our king. Well, it just, kind of, it just makes me think of what Brother Eddie preached this morning. You can't imagine the guilty thing. You know, that, that not the grief. Felt, the grief, I mean, I the grief that he felt, you know, knowing what he was sent there to do, willingly going to do it, and rejected immediately. And he knew their hearts before. Not only did Jesus betray him, but those people did too. Oh yeah. You know, Jesus did it for the money. You know, but, and these people did it for self gain, self gain. Yeah, they would be. That it, it is impossible for me to think that some people in this crowd weren't in the same crowd that is in front of Pilate yelling, "Crucify, crucify!" This is not. He did not bring what we want. It reminds me so many people, uh, and, you know, and I say that so many people like look at all of them, but I, I find myself doing it sometimes as well. So it's something that we're all guilty of. Well, it goes back to that story you told us a bunch of times where uh, a man came here and his wife had left him and you know came in there and wants his wife back. Wants his wife back, you know, true repentance, you know, really thought he had to be a wife back. He's out. Gone. Yeah, I, I can even, I mean, there's people that have, uh, you know, that have prayed for financial miracles and just like really in trouble, you know, and I need help and I'm going to, you know, it's, I don't know what I'm going to do. And God come through for them and poof, out of church, gone. You know, people that have, have prayed, you know, ha- have been fired or laid off and no work anywhere. What am I going to do? I don't know what. You know, we're not going to make it. Got a job. Poof. Out of church. Gone. Uh, it's the same. 9-11. I mean, you look. To, to Twin Tower Falls and the Sunday. Next, the next Sunday, guess what? All the churches are full. Jesus, save us. Uh, but that stuff wears off. And there you go. I don't need Jesus no more. I mean, he's. It's all good. So, I mean, and I say that about people and you thinking, wow, what kind of sorry joker would do? But we really all do that in, in different ways. You know, I find myself when I get comfortable, I don't have no struggles. Everything's going good. I mean, I don't really have, you know, on those days, on those weeks, I find myself, you know, it's like, well, you know, I, I catch myself taking God for granted a little bit, you know, and I have to, I have to catch myself. Yeah, and it's when something happens, something bad happens, or something's going on in your life, that's when you, now I'm gonna hit my knees, and now I'm gonna pray without ceasing, and all that kind of stuff. And so it's, it's, um, it's human nature. I, I say that, but I also need to say that the Holy Spirit inside of us won't let us get away with that too long. See what I mean? Because it will convict you of, hey, look at what you're doing right here. Make sense? All right. And so in verse 2022, up until now, Jesus has presented himself and they're expecting him as the savior of Israel. But now here come these Gentiles, these Greeks, 
And so Jesus demonstrates, it's demonstrating that He's also the Savior of the world. Uh, when these guys start coming, Israel is, Jesus is riding a donkey. He's weeping, looking at Jerusalem. The people are around. They're all crying out. He knows that they're rejecting Him. Israel, His own people, have rejected Him. He, he knows this in His mind. Out Their lips are rejecting Him yet. But He knows this in His mind. And so what happens next is, now that He knows that Israel has rejected Him, here come these two Greeks, these two Gentiles say, hey, we want, we want Jesus. And so Jesus understands, this is when he says, now, now my time has come. When, when, the, when Israel rejects and the Gentiles start to, start to come in and say, hey, we, we, we want what this Jesus has. He said, now my time has come. Verse 20, and then we'll go 20, a few more verses. It says, and there were certain Greeks, the same word for Greek is Gentile, nations, the, they were not Jews. Among them that came to worship at the feast, they were proselytes. They had converted to Judaism, but they weren't national Jews. They came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and, des- and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Now Philip acts like, I don't know if Jesus is going to want to talk to you. I mean, you're not Israel. You're pagans. And so what he does is he goes to Andrew. He says, Philip cometh and telleth Andrew. And again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. Now, the weirdest thing about this section is it never says whether Jesus spoke to them or not. It never says whether Jesus received them or not. It never says that Jesus did anything. Uh, it's like Jesus didn't even pay attention to them. So I don't know. You can draw your own conclusions from that. But what he says is, he says, now think about This is not happening in a vacuum. There's thousands of people around. They're all yelling. Jesus is on his way into the into the city. And then here comes here comes Andrew and Philip. He's riding on a donkey. Here comes Andrew and Philip. And they're saying, hey, these these Greeks over here want to see you. And then Jesus says these words, and I believe that he said it where the crowd can hear him. Maybe not all, 500,000, but he said it in front of these people. Verse 21 says, or 22 says, or 23 says, And Jesus answered them saying, this is how Jesus answered them when he said, The Greeks want to see you. He says, the hour is come, the Son of Man should be glorified. Now, if you're in the crowd, what are you thinking? Came on. Huh? It's time. Yeah. Hallelujah. I mean, this probably would have made you brim over with excitement. The Son of Man. Who's the Son of Man? Jesus. I know it's Jesus, but <laughs> the Messiah. The Messiah. Who, who in the Old Testament called the Son of Man the Messiah? Have I been with you so long? Come on. It was in Daniel. Daniel prophesied about a son of man, one like a son of man who would come and he would set up his kingdom and his kingdom would never end. And Jesus says in front of all these people, he says, the time has come for the son of man to be glorified. And immediately their ears hear the prophecy of Daniel. The kingdom is being set up. It's never going to end. This is the time of the end. This is the time when we're going to rule. And then Jesus lets all the air out of the balloon. The next verse he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. What was he saying out there? He must die to live. 
You must, but he was talking about himself. He was saying what? I've got to die. The, the time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, and I'm going to be glorified by dying. And they all understood, and you understand too, what, a, what it, when you got a seed, if you, if you leave a seed, if I put a seed right here on the, on the chalkboard, and I leave it there, it's never going to do nothing. It's going to sit right there, and it'll rot, it'll do whatever, but it'll always be alone. It'll never, nothing. But if I put that seed in the ground, what happens? The shell, the the I, the nutrients in the ground, or the thing, whatever is in the ground, it rots that shell, breaks that shell open, and that life inside that seed will sprout forth, and it'll bear much fruit. Jesus said, "Look, I can be, I can be this Messiah y'all want. I can be this King. I can call ten thousand legions of angels, and we can come and we can just wipe the Romans out." Where there would people would never even know that there was such a thing as Rome. I can do that. But if I do that, I'm going to go be with my father. And we're going to be alone for eternity. Because can't none of y'all come. I mean, y'all can't come. Y'all can't come with me. Uh, if, unless, unless I go into the ground. Unless I die. Unless I pay for your sin. Unless I pay the price for your sin. And pay for all that you've done. And bear the wrath of God. I'll go to heaven, but I'll just be alone because can't none of y'all come. He said, but if I go and I die, I can bring all y'all with me. We can all go to God's kingdom. We can all, you know, in, in me because of what I've done, we can all go and, and I'll bear much fruit. And I'll, you'll see the, the fruit of my death will, will come. It'll be in your life and your life and your life and your life. And we'll all be together. It says if it... If a, unless a seed go on the ground and die, it'll abide alone. That's what he was saying. I mean, I, I can do what you want, but if I do it that way, all of y'all are doomed. He says, but if I go on the ground and die, I'm going to bear much fruit, and I'm gonna, y'all are going to be my fruit, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you to heaven. Does that make sense? Okay. And then it says, then he says, last few verses, he says, you guys can't follow me just by saying, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. That's not how you follow me. He says, verse 25, he that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it to eternal life. And if any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall he, my servant be. And if any man serve me, he will, my father will honor him. Now look what he says. He's telling, and the crowd is standing all around him. So he's still, he's not, he's not in some room somewhere talking in secret. They're, they're all hearing this. He's saying, look, if you, he knows that they're wanting a political Messiah to come and wipe away Rome, make them great like Solomon's kingdom again, and just, but he knows that's what they want. He said, look, if you love your life here in this world, you're going to lose everything. He said, but, but if you hate your life in this world, if you, if you understand that all this stuff is meaningless, if I were to give you gold and silver and make you kings and make you... All that's meaningless because you're going to die and you're going to have to face God on judgment day. He said, if you hate your life in this world, he said, you'll have eternal life forever. And he says, if any man serves me, then let him follow me. Where, is my, where am I going? Where is he going? Going to death. Yeah, in the other gospel it says... 
pick up your cross, die. It must die to itself, deny itself, pick up your cross and follow me. And then it says, and where I am, there my servant shall be. Do you see how he said? He said, unless I, unless the seed go in the ground, it's going by alone. I can go and I can be in heaven. And I can spend eternity in heaven and, you know, hey, hope y'all have a good time. Bye. You know, I'll be by myself. He says, but if I go and I die, I'll produce much fruit. And he says, and those who follow me, he said, the one who serves me will be with me where I am when I go. See, does that make sense? Y'all see that? So he says, what he's saying, the whole point here, we'll stop there. But what the whole point here is not just, you know, he... The, the Palm Sunday where he came and the branches and all. The whole point is that he was not the kind of Messiah that they desired. And because he was not the kind of Messiah that they desired, they rejected him completely. And there's a very real danger of us doing that still today. Because you would be surprised the people who, you know, I remember one guy and, and he was right. He said, look, to be honest with you, my life was going rather decent before I got saved. And then all of a sudden, all these problems are, you know, now I've got all these issues, you know, all these problems. And the, the reality was, yeah, well, because now you got a bunch of new enemies. You got a bunch of new family members that don't know what happened to you. And they're, oh, what's going on with this guy? Why is that? So, yeah, yeah, that's when the problems start. And so when people, when people hit that wall, they're like, hey, this is not what I signed up for. I signed up for the make me happy and joyful and let's, let's rock on. It's all going to be good plan. And you signed me up for the suffering and the persecution and the whatever plan. You know, that's not what I signed up for. And so Jesus says, I am the Messiah. I am the King. I am the one who comes in the name of the Lord. I am the one who brings God's kingdom with him and brings you into God's kingdom. But you are going to have to follow me and serve me the way the Messiah that I am, not the Messiah that you want me to be. Does that make sense? That's right. Any questions, comments? I'm going to do my best to get 